And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. And welcome to the show this morning, of course. Happy New Year. And uh, yes, it starts all over again. So here we go. Uh, wishing you all a very happy new year and hopefully it'll be a good prosperous year as we start to move forward. Uh, best news so far, the market return this year, zero. Uh, but we did finish up with a 24% gain last year for the S&P 500, 43% for the NASDAQ last year. Uh, the Dow was up only 13%. Uh, small cap 600 index up about 14% last year. So good returns for last year across the board, no, no matter really how you slice it. Um, the S&P had a 15% gain just in the month, the last uh, two months of the year. So just, you know, a terrible October, right? Everybody was extremely bearish in October. The bears were definitely growling. And then the market rallies 15% in two months and uh, finishes out the year on an up note. So again, very kind of an interesting year. Um, when you think back, we had so many different things going on. Think about 2023. You had the banking crisis in March. You had this, the, the Speaker of the House getting ousted. You had a debt ceiling debacle going on, right? We were fretting over raising the debt ceiling. We got a debt downgrade from Fitch. All these things that went on, and yet the market returned 24% last year. Here's the important point about this is that as investors, this is why we always talk about, be careful of these big macro narratives, right? There were so many of these macro narratives last year that we wrote about, we discussed here on the show with you, uh, the threat of de-dollarization, remember that? I mean, it was like, oh, nobody's gonna want our currency anymore because of the debt. And we we're like, eh, don't, don't, don't buy into that so much. Uh, we had rising interest rates. I was supposed to crash the housing market. You know, all these big macro narratives, I'm not saying that, that these macro narratives never come to fruition, but they typically tend not to be as dire as, as we tend to think they're going to be. And remember, we talked about um, right around September, I wrote that article last year talking, uh, you know, showing you the bell curve of potential outcomes and investing on these big kind of the tails or, you know, worrying about these tails and being all in cash or, you know, whatever it is because of these big tail events that lie really on the outside of possibilities, right? And, and th those are the things that, you know, we focus on. And so last year was a really great indication of that is that despite all of these big macro narratives that we had going on, you know, markets did okay. Now, it doesn't mean that that's always gonna be the case, but this is just why it's so important that as investors, right, our job is to, to navigate markets and to manage money and, and to do the best we can. And, you know, this is why it's important to not get sucked into these big macro narratives, good or bad, right? Because they typically never quite turn out the way we expect. Now, you know, so if, if you're looking for some, some downside news from last year, well, the return last year of that 24% return, 75% of that return last year came from multiple expansion, not from earnings growth. So stocks were really bid up last year on expectations of stronger earnings growth, not actual earnings growth. And so there's, there is room this year as we look forward 
expectations for earnings are very high this year. For 2024, we have very high expectations of earnings. In fact, earnings are expected to grow between 11 and 12% this year, which requires that you're going to have fairly substantial economic growth to help support those earnings expectations. And so, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a risk this year as we move forward that earnings may not be as strong as we expect, and that may mute returns to some degree, right, as valuations have to realign a bit with earnings growth. Now, that doesn't mean the market's going to crash, but it does suggest that some of the exuberance that we saw last year may not carry through the rest of this year unless we happen to get really, really strong earnings growth. You know, another risk this year as we look forward also is liquidity. Um, despite, you know, fears of quantitative tightening and higher interest rates, liquidity in markets were actually doing okay last year. Uh, we saw bank reserves increase. Um, we saw, you know, liquidity in the overall markets increase. We talk about financial conditions ease sharply going through the end of the year. So that's helping support some of that growth from last year. The question is, of course, will we have that kind of liquidity as we move into next year? Okay. There's a lot of things to consider. We'll have lots of stuff to talk about this year, obviously. But here's what you need to know before the bell this morning as we kick off a new year of trading. Yes, returns start at zero today. So everything as we start to benchmark, right, benchmark our performance. We do it from January 1st to, to, to December 31st. We're starting at zero today. Terrible way to manage your portfolio, by the way, benchmarking returns. But uh, that's a different conversation for a different day. Um, here's a couple of things to think about. Now, we had a very, very strong rally into the end of the year. We had nine straight weeks of advances in the markets. That's a very long stretch historically for markets to have just week after week gains. You're going to have a correction here. You know, we were talking about this over the last couple of weeks of, of December saying, hey, markets are very overbought here. Expect a bit of a correction. Now, when that comes, who knows? We're still in the midst of the Santa Claus rally. Santa Claus rally is the last five days of December, the first two days, trading days of January. So today and tomorrow uh, will officially end the Santa Claus rally. So uh, today and tomorrow, a lot of mutual fund manager, pension funds, et cetera, putting money to work for the new year. Lots of cash sitting on the books. A um, couple of things to think about technically, though, as we said, is that markets are very overbought. And, and so as we kind of think about you know, the, the market itself and, and looking kind of at the market dynamics, we had this very, very strong rally from this, uh, from those November lows, uh, sorry, from the lows in uh, late October all the way through the end of December, really not much of a break. And we talked about these buying stampedes previously is that, you know, those can last a while, but you're eventually going to have a reversion of that to some degree. One thing to kind of uh, note here, and again, just as we move into the month of January, if you need to allocate some money, you may just want to kind of wait a little bit here. I think you're going to get a, a little bit better opportunity, not dramatically so, but a little bit better opportunity to put some money to work. A couple of things that are going on, at least worth considering, um, our MACD, sell, uh, MACD buy sell signal, which has uh, been a pretty good indicator, is the one that kind of, you know, kind of, you know, gave us the green light to add money in, in October, November. Um, is very overbought here and about to trigger a sell signal. Now, again, that doesn't mean you're going to have a major correction in the markets, but you know at least uh, you're going to have trouble at this point kind of advancing the markets too much. It doesn't mean markets can't go up, but they're just going to kind of struggle to do so. And we kind of saw that in the last week. You know, As the markets kind of got overbought, uh, that advance that we'd seen previously started to slow down as, as we got to this really kind of overbought condition. And that's what I mean by limiting upside 
is these very overbought conditions kind of limit the ability of the market to move higher. At the same time that we have this kind of overbought condition, we have what's called a negative divergence um, between the market itself and uh, the relative strength index. Uh, the relative strength index has been declining now, even as the market has been going up. That's called a negative divergence, and typically that doesn't last for very long. Uh, what this suggests is, is that you're likely going to get a correction in the markets. In other words, that, that, that strength of price momentum is declining. You're about to get a sell signal here, and you've got this kind of upward push in the market. So that typically, those, those price actions going to kind of give away a bit here uh, to some of the underlying weakness that there is some selling going on. And that suggests that that's gonna, probably going to pick up some traction here over the next week or two. So again, if you, if you were kind of underweight equities last year and you need to, and you kind of feel a need to get you know, money allocated, be a little bit patient here. I think you'll get a little better opportunity to do that over the course of the next uh, two, three, four weeks um, as we kick off this new year of trading. But that's what you need to know before the bell this morning. When we'll come back, we'll talk about the markets, talk about what's going on, some of the bigger picture ideas as we start to kick off this brand new year. And we'll talk about some uh, your New Year's resolutions as well. Don't go away. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. And welcome back to the show this morning. So uh, it is, uh, like I said, uh, kind of a brand new year, kicking everything off again for the markets. And, you know, the question becomes, uh, you know, really the, the, the question um, has been really since 2022 is when's the recession coming, right? Is the recession coming anytime soon? And, you know, that we've had inverted yield curves, we've had leading economic indicators, we've had this whole kind of variety of stuff going on in the economy, yet no recession so far. And that's been very frustrating. And again, well, one thing that, you know, we continue to focus back on is this immense amount of liquidity that is still sloshing its way through the system. All that money that uh, was put in from stimulus checks to the Inflation Reduction Act, the CHIPS Act. And, you know, with these acts like the Inflation Reduction Act, which had nothing to do with inflation reduction, it was all about, you know, funding, you know, pet projects, is that it takes time for those projects to get done. So, so even though the bill was passed a couple of years ago, it takes quite a long time for that money to actually start flowing into the economy because you've got to you know find a project get it approved go through all the regulatory red tape etc and it just takes time um, you know this is one thing that uh, Barack Obama learned uh, as president in 2008 um, when we did the infrastructure act in 2008 and you know, even he said, you know, famously that, you know, shovel ready jobs weren't quite as shovel ready as they thought they would be because it just takes time to get through all the bureaucracy, et cetera. So, you know, all those acts that we passed, all that spending, 1.7 trillion here, 500 billion there, 100 billion over here, you know, it adds up. And all that money has been, you know, starting to come online and into these projects, domestic onshoring, et cetera. And that's been fueling capital spending in the economy, which has been supporting things. 
and keeping the economy, you know, keeping people employed and, um, you know, keeping keeping things going. Real wages as a function um, are on the rise. You know, real incomes, ex-government transfers. So once you strip out, you know, the, the, the government transfers of disability payments, all those type of things, and you look at just real inflation-adjusted incomes, they've been on the rise. Part of that is due to the fact that we've had fairly strong employment. So again, all that is to say that, you know, no, we haven't had a recession yet. Doesn't mean we can't or won't. But as, you know, as we were saying at the open of the, the, the show this morning, you got to be careful of these big macro narratives uh, that you hear in the media, right? Oh, recession's coming. Going to have a recession. We'll, we'll know that it's coming, right, when we see one. It, you'll have evidence that it's coming. And the, the markets aren't predicting it right now. And, you know, they continue to, you know, money flows continue to support asset prices at this point. Doesn't mean that won't change. But again, this is why we talked about previously, you know, be careful of these big macro narratives. Just, you know, they, 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 they sound great in theory. And if you hear somebody in the media or on a YouTube channel somewhere or, or you know, read an article about, oh, this guy definitely going to have a recession in 2024, you know, maybe. Maybe not. But again, you know, predicting anything in the financial markets longer than about two weeks, three weeks at the most is, is very difficult because things change. Markets adapt. People adapt, those type of things. A good example of this uh, is, of course, is that what you need, right, for a market downturn of significance, right? So now we're talking about 20, uh, you know, if you're expecting this 20, 30% drawdown in the market, is that possible? Yes, absolutely possible. This market correct 20, 30%, no problem, right? We've got very big deviations from long-term means. We've got, you know, very overbought conditions on a weekly basis, et cetera. So absolutely a 20, 30% drawdown in the market is absolutely possible. What you need is a very unexpected event that changes investors' views about credit, financial stability, et cetera. Now, here's the funny thing about markets. Everything that you can think of, you're, you're probably in your mind right now ticking off a list of things. Yeah, they got the got what's going on in Israel, you've got the Ukraine war, you've got a potential war with between China and Taiwan. You've got, you know, all, you know, you've got the debt issue, you've got the deficit issue, you've got um, the, the fact, oh, about to have another debt funding thing. We got to come back by January the 19th. We've got a spending deadline that we've got to fund various uh, government, uh, you know, programs. All those things are not what are going to hurt the market. Why? Because we know about them, right? The markets already know about those things. So everything you're thinking of right now is stuff that you've read in the media, stuff that you've heard somewhere, you've read something that's talked about this issue. Markets already know about it. If you know about it, the market knows about it. What has got to happen for that 20 to 30% drawdown in the market is for something to occur that the markets were not anticipating at all. And it changes the outlook immediately, not gradually. See, if something happens that's gradual, the markets adapt to it. 
This is why, you know, when we were talking about last year, you know, there's all this concern over the debt. Well, if we don't pass this, if we have this debt ceiling and shut down the government, it's going to crash the markets. And we're saying, no, it won't because payments still get made on mandatory spending and everything continues as normally. And the markets were well aware of all this risk getting built up because it was over a period of a couple of months that we were talking about this. And so the longer that you talk about it, the more the markets adapt to it. And they go, okay, I understand what the risks are, so we're good. What the markets don't adapt for is something that literally changes things overnight, like shutting down the economy. Markets didn't anticipate that. So you have that 35% correction in the markets. The financial crisis. You know, if you go back to 2008, markets were just going through kind of a normal bear market correction until on a Friday, late in the evening, the Treasury, the Fed, etc., all forced Lehman into bankruptcy the next morning. On a Saturday, Lehman's in bankruptcy. And the financial markets are about to go into just chaos because nobody immediately trusts anybody else overnight that anybody's going to be good to meet their debts. So you had a very, very sharp drop. A, a big chunk of that total decline occurred after Lehman was forced into bankruptcy. Again, an unexpected event. Outside of that, the markets would have had a normal correction, maybe 20%. And we've been over it. So this is why, though, now the, the Federal Reserve and the government do everything they can not to create situations where they create these unexpected exogenous events. That's what you need for a big market downturn, which means it's not impossible for it to occur. Of course it can occur. The problem is, is you're not going to know about it until after the fact. But that's what it's going to take. That's what it always takes. It takes these unexpected exogenous events that nobody is anticipating to create sharp market downturns. Long-term capital management, Enron, right? Those type of things. So, you know, again, as we, as we look forward, whatever you're thinking about right now that's in the bearish side of the camp, probably not going to happen. What will cause a bearish outcome for the markets is going to be something that we're not even talking about today. Not even thinking about. We already know about China-Taiwan, too. So, you know, if something happens there, it's not going to be the big market shocker because everybody's kind of aware that's eventually going to happen. So it's just a question of how, how it gets responded to at that point. So something totally unexpected, exogenous event, that, and most importantly, it affects... That event has to affect the economic and financial outlook. So when that event happens, it's got to be something that all of a sudden causes the market to go, that is going to impact the ability for companies to grow earnings at the expected rate of return. I now have to reprice lower for that event. That's why it's got to be a credit-type event, something that disrupts the credit market, something that disrupts the economic market that will impact 
the current valuation being assigned to financial markets and it causes an immediate repricing by markets. That's what causes those crashes. And that's why they occur. And they generally occur over things that nobody ever thought would happen. So whatever you think you know is going to happen this year, you're wrong. Good or bad. Because <laughs> it'll change in a heartbeat, whatever it is. Okay, so that so this is important because, you know, when we come back from the break, we'll talk a little bit about what to expect now um, as we start the new year. And we'll talk about some investor resolutions. We do this every year just to kind of get you set off on a, on a good step. So when we come back from the break, we'll get into that. But as, as we think about going forward, right, we have to, you know, shed off the old, right? Whatever happened last year happened last year. Let's leave it behind us and let's look forward to what the new year may potentially look like. Don't go away. Be right back on The Real Investment Show. investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com and welcome back so uh by the way i got lazy over the last week uh of the year my wife and i went down to the beach with the dogs for a, a few days and i forgot to raise the ticket prices for the uh event we've got coming up on january the 27th with greg valier uh, myself adam taggart uh, michael Leibowitz talking about markets money investing i was supposed to raise the ticket prices um off our early bird special i forgot so i'm going to leave it at the early bird special rate for the rest of this week uh, we'll raise them next week so if you haven't gotten your tickets yet it's January the 27th. It's a Saturday from uh, basically 8 a.m. to noon. Um, we'll feed you, uh, go through a lot of market stuff, lots of presentations, talking about uh, presidential election cycles, outcomes for the year. Greg's an excellent speaker. Um, you will really enjoy the work that he does, um, especially if you have a, a political bent. Um, you will enjoy it. Uh, he's very good. Uh, so if you haven't gotten your tickets yet, do it now. Do it this week um, because we will raise the ticket prices next week. So, again, get by the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. There's a banner at the top uh, talking about the event. So simply just click on that banner. Um, you can get your tickets through PayPal. Um, the, the, all the payment instructions are set up for you right there. It's very easy to do. Uh, get your ticket, and then, of course, we'll see you on Saturday the 27th. But take advantage of my mistake and my laziness. It doesn't happen often, but you're going to get a break this week. So be sure and get by the website and do it. Uh, so New Year's uh, officially underway. It's hard to believe it's 2024. It seems like it was just 2023 on Friday. Um, <laughs> goes by quick. <laughs> Is your dog afraid of fireworks? Uh -uh. No? 
Yeah, my dog is my dog is terrified. One of them. One of them doesn't care at all. Uh, he's afraid of everything else in the world. Doesn't care about fireworks. Yeah. But my older dog is terrified. So as soon as the first firework goes off, he's like under the bed covers. Josie shaking. is a five pound Yorkie that thinks she's a pit bull. Gotcha. She did very well because in our neighborhood, it sounded like the Tet Offensive. Yeah. It's yeah. It's like it's just ridiculous. It's like Beirut, my neighborhood. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, but yeah, so you know, it's it, it worst time of the year, July the fourth and, and December thirty first yes. for Gunner. He just has PTSD the rest of the year. Uh, so poor dog. It's all good. Anyway, uh, but it is a new year. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about uh, what to expect in the month of January. Um, historically, January tends to be a very good month. Um, more often than not, if you take a look at January historical returns, there are certainly negative Januaries along the way. It doesn't mean that the January is neg- never negative, right? It happens, but it doesn't happen often. And you know, more often than not, January tends to be a, a positive month overall. Now, if we take a look. Uh, kind of, we can break these returns down and, and kind of look at some different things, uh, and we'll do this in a second. We'll dig into January here a little bit more, but let's talk about this being a presidential election year. So, you know, when we take a look at the, you know, kind of the election cycle, and this is something that that Greg will talk about a lot more um, during his visit on the twenty seventh. Um, but if we take a look at statistics, and and these statistics go all the way back to eighteen thirty three. And we look at each year of the presidential cycle, um, you know, from the year of election and then the first year, second year, third year, then back to election. The fourth year of a presidential cycle, the one that we're in now, right, is the best. Uh, more often than not, um, you have an upside to the markets. It's about a 76% win rate in the markets. And the average return runs about, uh, you know, 10% or so, and uh, it tends to be fairly strong. So, again, you know, you've got the highest win rate of any of the four-year cycle uh, this year. So odds are that markets tend to do better as uh, we get forward. So, but, you know, when we take a look at every month of the year, um, Brent, skip that chart real quick. Let's move to this, let's move to this next one. Uh, it's, it's a better, just a graphical of a table. Um when we take a look at the win rate by months, right? So we take a look at each month of the year, and we take a look at the average monthly return and the median monthly return. January has some of the best returns of any month of the year. Again, doesn't mean every year. This is average. This is median over a very long period, right? And so when we take a look at this, you know, specifically and, and start talking about, you know, the win-loss ratio, et cetera. And again, January has one of the highest win rates of any month of the year. In fact, if we take a look at the number of positive versus negative months uh, going back over time, January has one of the highest win rates uh, for the month, for any month. Now, other months also have high win rates, but January has a very, very high rate of being positive. And there's a lot of reasons for this. And again, as we start off the new year, we're optimistic for the new year. Nothing's happened yet. (laughs) We haven't blown up anything. Um, You know, haven't done anything stupid, you know, know, economically speaking. And so January tends to be positive because we tend to outlook, uh, you know, we want to be positive uh, about about the future. So, um, 
you know, so so we we kind of look at these now. January doesn't have the highest return rate of any month. They have a very high win rate, right? But even though January has a very high win rate, uh, its best and worst, if we take a look at the best return for any January, the worst return, it's not one of the highest ones, right? Uh, January's best return is 9.2%. Its worst return is 6.8%. And there's certainly other months that have had much higher rates of return. Now, you got to be careful with data. When you go back to 1900, you get some skews to the data. Um, and you take a look at, for instance, August with a 50% return. That was during the Depression. Okay? So you have these kind of skews to the data that occur. And again, this is just looking at the best one-month return going back to 1900. You know, it, it can skew that over time. But again, even with those skews, what we, what we know is, is that the average return over time tends to be positive, uh, again, for the month of January. Um, now, let's talk about, even though January is positive, you know, we need to talk about, you know, how we invest going forward, right? And thinking about all the things, let's think about last year for a moment. Think about all the things that you did right and wrong last year, Right. Um, were you overly bearish? Were you overly concerned about some economic event or some market event, whatever it was? Um, or were you too optimistic? And you know, last year it's kind of hard to be too optimistic <laughs> because markets did very well. But think about what worked last year and what didn't work last year, right? This is, this is where we have to do this self-reassessment every year as we start out, learn from our mistakes, learn from what we did right, learn from what we did wrong. And remember that, you know, investor psychology is one of the biggest flaws that we make as investors. And, and when we think about the issues of, of returns over time, investor behavior makes up the biggest chunk of why we lose money in the market. So psychological factors. Not having money to invest, not investing money that we have, that's certainly important, right? Not getting capital put to work. But our psychological flaws are what impact our returns the most. And we all have them, right? Last year, we made mistakes last year in our portfolios. There are things that we should have done that we didn't do. There are the things that we didn't do that we should have done because of psychological. Everybody suffers from it, right? There's no, there's no perfection in this. What we have to try to do is, is learn from those mistakes as we move forward and you know, try to remember that markets move through these fear and greed cycles over time and those psychological factors over time as we go through everything from optimism and euphoria and exuberance to you know, you know, discouragement, dismay, and, and all those type of things. And last year was plenty of reasons to have fear and despair and panic. I mean, there's just tons of reasons to be negative last year. Markets didn't really pay attention to too much of that. But as we think about these cycles, right, we have to remember that those psychological factors are putting us on the wrong side of the trade. One, one way or the other, being too optimistic or being too pessimistic can, can work against us over time. So, you know, thinking about, you know, these type of, of situations and particularly as, as we talk about these, you know, this is why as we move into the new year, we have to think about our, our New Year's resolutions, right? And these, these resolutions 
are important because they help us kind of frame our outlook for the year. Now, this whole, all these charts and graphs and the resolutions are on the website now at realinvestmentadvice.com. Just click on today's blog post um, talking about uh, this very thing. But, you know, do more of what's working, less of what isn't, right? So think about what worked last year, do more of that. Think about what you did last year that didn't work and do less of that. Remember that the trend is always your friend. And right now, markets are trending higher. They're not trending lower. And so when the trend changes, you want to become more bearish at that point. But right now, there's very little reason to be bearish because everything is trending positively at the moment. Now, if they're overbought, you're going to have a correction. That's an opportunity to put capital to work. Um, you know, it's okay to be bullish and bearish. There's nothing wrong with that as long as you don't let it drive your investment thesis, right? It's okay to be a little negative on the markets short term, right? Markets are very overbought right now. I'm a little bearish at the moment because I think we'll get a better opportunity to put money back to work. Problem is, as is always, is being overly bullish, hoggish, right? Or being super bearish and keeping yourself out of the markets. Those extremes don't work for you as well. We'll come back, we'll finish up with the resolutions and the show right after the break. Don't go away. daily investment news you can use delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com so just kind of going through our january resolutions uh for the new years to you know try to be a better investor right so our goal is always to improve and, you know, we're never going to get it perfect. Nobody ever is. Some years are going to be better than others. And sometimes markets do things you don't expect. Last year is a good example of that. Um, so it's always important to, to review what we did well last year, what we didn't do uh, well on, and certainly made some mistakes last year, you know, me personally, and could have done things better last year that we've got to improve on this year. Uh, so it's always important. Um, so we're just kind of going through the resolutions uh, that we review every year. And this is something we always kind of go back to and say, okay, let's, let's review last year, see how we did. And let's talk about the things that we can do better. You know, one of the things that it's always important to remember is that it's okay to pay taxes. Nobody likes to pay taxes, right? But if you're paying taxes, that means you made money. And so you did a good thing, right? So there's ways to mitigate that, do tax loss selling, do, do other things. But remember, it's okay to pay taxes. Um, some of the worst mistakes that we make as investors is trying to avoid paying taxes. Oh, I'd, I should sell that, but I don't want to pay the taxes on it. And then you lose a bunch of money. And it's, it's, you know, it's okay to pay taxes. Remember that. Um, maximize profits by you know, staging buys and working orders and, and you know, getting the best price. So it doesn't mean you try to actually just you know, pin the bottom. Right. So staging a buy is, is, look, I want to buy a company. I want to buy a stock of some sort. Um, so I 
you know, I maybe buy a third of a position, I wait for a pullback uh, to buy a little bit more, um, and then when it starts going back up, I'll buy some more, right? I, I stage my buys and I work my price, you know, to build a position over time. I don't have to buy the whole position at one time. Nothing, no, there's no law that says that. Um, and th- an important lesson is to always remember to buy damaged opportunities, not damaged investments. And, you know, this is always one of the problems with value investing. You see a stock that looks really cheap and has good fundamentals, you think, and there's some underlying situation you're not aware of that's plaguing it. There's a damaged investment. Sometimes there are stocks that are just undervalued and they're great companies. And those are opportunities that you should buy. But discerning the difference between a damaged opportunity and damaged investment is very important. You know, diversification to control risk is important, but this market last year is a good example. Didn't really work well. So it's always important to remember diversification uh, to control management, but also not to impair your performance. Again, you know, um, emerging markets and international have underperformed since 2008. So diversifying in those markets has not really worked for you as well. It didn't really control risk. It actually added risk to portfolio. So it's important to to diversify, but it's also important how you diversify. Um, You know, control risk by always having stop loss levels and predefined sell levels. So I'm going to buy this company, and if it reaches this price where it's extremely overbought, et cetera, then I'm going to take some profits, Um, you know, it's, it, it's, a, it's a challenge to do that because we get greedy when prices are going up and we get fearful when prices are going down. Sometimes, again, if you're staging a buy, you've got to buy a stock, expect it to go down, right? Not panic when it does. Yeah, that's when you have to step in and buy more if you're staging your entry. But, you know, one of the things we do is we tend to panic on the way down and on the way up, and we tend to buy high and sell low for that reason. So try to always control the risk. Do your homework. <laughs> there was a, a one of the guys I used to work with a long time ago. He was very successful, and he was a big golfer. And you know, he says there's three rules to being good at golf: keep your head down, keep your head down, keep your head down. Right when when driving, and that's and his, his version was a little bit more vulgar, and I can't say it on the radio, but you, <laughs> but you get the idea. Keep your head down. Same thing with investments. Do your homework, do your homework, do your homework. And, you know, don't take for granted just because you hear it on television or, you know, CNBC or wherever, right? Um, do your homework. Understand what you're buying. Cash is cash is always king, regardless of what people tell you. Yeah, last year, cash was king at 5%. A lot of people wanted that 5% money market yield. Cash gives you opportunity. There's no problem ever holding cash. But cash is opportunity. It has an opportunity reward. It has an opportunity cost. Hiding in money market last year at 5% sounds great until you realize that the market was up 24% last year. But cash gives you an opportunity, if you have it, to buy something when the market declines or the market gives you an opportunity. So always have cash available to invest. And so if, if you've got money invested... Be saving more money for the next opportunity. 
And this is why saving money is so important in your overall structure. Don't depend on just, you know, hey, I've got this $100,000 in my bank account that's I'm going to grow and I'm going to retire on that and I'm never going to contribute to it. Always be adding to it. Always be saving cash. Have cash available to buy opportunity when it comes because that's the whole point of investing is to buy an opportunity when it appears. You know, one of the fallacies of buy and hold investing is just, well, you just buy it and hold it, right? That's not investing. Investing is looking for opportunities that are underpriced that can give you an outsized rate of return over time. That's investing. So cash gives you that opportunity. Don't fear corrections. Corrections are an opportunity. And again, one of the things that we tend to do is, is we tend to be afraid of corrections. When markets are going down, we go, oh my gosh, they're just going to go down forever. Not necessarily the case. Be flexible. You know, check hope at the door. You know, hoping something to hoping for something to occur is, isn't a good strategy, right? Build your strategy, work your strategy, follow your discipline. You know, and, and probably the, the biggest resolution that will work for you the best is turn off the television, right? Do your homework. Turn off all the noise. Because, again, think about last year, right? If you were not in the markets, why weren't you in the market last year? Well, I heard this guy on this YouTube channel, whatever it was, that said the market was going to crash, so I didn't want to do that. So I stayed out of the market last year. Okay. Turn that off. Do your homework, right? Just because somebody says something on some radio show in the morning, you know, as you're driving to work, doesn't mean it's going to happen. And this is, and this is, this is why we talk a lot about possibilities and probabilities. And go back to that discussion we had, you know, in September of last year, talking about these tail events. You know, we talk about these things often to try to keep from repeating those mistakes over time. So, again, just because somebody says something doesn't mean they're going to be right. So this is why you always want to kind of do your homework. And so, you know, this guy said this, right? So go find somebody that disagrees with him and listen to that argument. And there's one true story, you know, about being bearish. Being bearish is always logical. Right. There's always the fundamental facts to back up being bearish. Well, you know, the markets are going to crash because of this reason, this reason, this reason, you know, the debt, the deficit, interest rates, the Fed. Completely logical. Lots of historical data to support that. But then the market doesn't do doesn't do what it's supposed to. It misbehaves. Right. It goes up when it's supposed to go down. That happens. And that's why we've always got to we've got to analyze that data. Right. And say, this is what's happened historically. We need to be aware of that risk. But markets aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're doing something different. Why are they doing something different? Try to understand that. And, and look, we were in the camp in, in 2022. I got to remember what year we're in. In 2022, we said, hey, look, you know, everybody was expecting a recession in 2022. And we said, hey, probably won't have a recession in 2022. Too much liquidity. Probably be 2023. It didn't happen. So we had to adjust for that because as that liquidity kept coming, right, more and more liquidity, the realization that we weren't going to have a recession began to mature. 
And so we had to adjust for that. So again, it's always important to have a view. You've got to have some view of, of some sort, right? You can't invest without a view on something, but then be willing, be flexible to adjust that view as you go forward. So, you know, this is, Again, you know, all these rules are on the website, these resolutions. Uh, I encourage you to go by the website. And while you're there, be sure and click that banner at the top of the page and get registered for our event coming up on the 27th. As I said earlier, I forgot to raise the prices, so you get them cheap for the rest of this week. So do it. Um, get your ticket now, and uh, we'll see you there on the 27th. But uh, the article's on the website now. Um, you know, hopefully it'll help you a little bit as you start thinking about the new year. Um, as we get ready to open up right now, the, the futures are pointing lower this morning. And again, uh, not surprising. Market's very overbought, very extended. Wouldn't be surprised to see a little bit of a correction into the first couple of weeks of January. Wouldn't surprise me at all. That'd be a good opportunity to put some capital to work. Um, and we've got some new things coming up this year. We're going to be launching a dividend equity model uh, at Simplevisor.com this year. So we're kind of waiting for a correction in the markets to do that. So if, uh, we've had a lot of requests for kind of a dividend-yielding portfolio, so we're going to put that together on Simplevisor for you. Um, and, of course, uh, if you have any questions or comments, get by the website. And, like I said, get registered for that upcoming event on January 27th. I'd be love to meet you if you're going to be there. Love to shake your hand, say hello, um, and we'll talk about markets, money, and so much more. Realinvestmentadvice.com, it's all there for you. Uh, thanks for joining us today, and Happy New Year. And we look forward to uh, sharing a prosperous new year with you. Happy New Year, and we'll see you back here tomorrow morning on the next Real Investment Show.